0: and welcome to Connected Conversations for Creatives, a place where creatives like you can learn, grow, and connect. I'm your host, Jennifer Carr. Have you ever found yourself waking up from a dream, heart pounding, mind racing, and wondering, what did that even mean? Dreams have long intrigued and confounded us, captivating our imagination as well as our deepest emotions. They're the gateway to our subconscious, the canvas upon which our innermost thoughts and desires are painted and vibrant strokes. But what if I told you that these mysterious landscapes of the mind, these seemingly random stories and images that unfold as we sleep, are not merely fragments of our restless minds, but instead, keys to discovering our life's purpose? What if the symbols and narratives woven into our dreams are not just a product of chance, but rather a roadmap, a guiding light, if you will. Today, we embark on a journey that merges the timeless art of dream interpretation with the modern science of psychology. Dreams allow us to venture deep into the realms of symbolism, exploring the profound messages that may hold for each and every one of us something we never saw coming. We'll unravel the connections between the dream world and our waking lives, unveiling the potential for profound self-discovery and personal growth. And maybe it's time to challenge that notion that dreams are nothing more than fleeting fantasies relegated to the shadowy corners of our minds. Instead, we can explore the possibility that within the symbolic imagery of our dreams lies the key to unlocking our deepest passions, our truest selves, and ultimately the fulfillment of our life's purpose. Today's guest is here to help us get started on that path to discovery. She's a dream interpreter that specializes in the analysis of women's dreams. Her passion to help other women connect with something deep within themselves that could lead to something transformative spurs her to create meaningful connections that lead to results. I'm excited to welcome Megan Mary to the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited that you are here as well. When um, you
0: were probably at the very top of the list of people, um, as far as when I said, "I've got season two coming out." This is the one I was most excited about because it connects a passion that you have with a to a passion that I have. um, Because I come at it from the world of psychology, and you come at it from a totally different angle. And so, I'm super excited to see how we can merge those two things. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us about yourself and kind of your journey into dream interpretation.
1: Mm -hmm. So growing up, I was always really just enamored with Halloween. And part of that is because it was the only time of year that everyone really admitted that there was spirits around and everybody kind of would acknowledge that maybe the veil was thinner that day. And there was, things were mysterious and things were a little bit unspoken, unusual and esoteric. And I really wanted to just dwell on that space all the time because I really felt like there was so much more to life than I was being told. And I was really just a very deep seeker from the time I was very young. And so I had, of course, uh, recurring dreams when I was younger, and I also had recurring nightmares, and I really wanted to know what they were about. And so I did what most people do, and I looked at into dream dictionaries and things like that. But you know, I never really found answers that really resonated with me. And so I went along and kind of forgot about them and went along in my life and did my career, and then. After a while, I encountered a really difficult period where I was diagnosed with several chronic illnesses all at once. And it really put me in a situation where I had to do some very deep introspection. And as part of my healing journey, I started meditating a few times a day. And that made a tremendous difference in my ability to access my intuition, to really align with my purpose. And I started listening to my dreams again. And when I did the messages that I got were very profound and transformative and led me down this path to really want to share that with other women that are going through life, because we all go through things, whether they're transitional periods or medical issues or emotional problems. And we all suffer certain Challenges in life, and our dreams are really there to help us, to guide us. And so, I just wanted to share that with everybody. Once I discovered that, that's pretty
0: interesting. Uh, Why women specifically? Is there is there a reason? Just you relate to women? You are a woman, that kind of thing, or is there specific? Partly that.
1: Yeah, it's partly that. I I feel most comfortable with women, and I feel that it's a it's a very intimate sharing that goes on and I feel that they women are more sometimes comfortable with other women uh, but also it it's a little bit to my advantage to be honest because women are higher dream recallers and so they actually have uh, a greater ability just because of the way they their brains are uh, to recall dreams and they tend to give more detailed dream accounts and so our hormones, specifically estrogen, really help with that. And so it's interesting when you start looking into the difference between men and women's dreams and their ability to remember them and the, and the content that's in them. So it actually intrigued me to the point that I thought, you know, I really just want to focus on women. Uh, also, because a lot of the uh, chronic illnesses that I incurred, such as autoimmune illness, really are more prevalent in women so i really felt that i could make a, a greater impact there just by matching to my own experience
0: there are so many conversations that we could branch off and have just based on that ones that one little paragraph alone because um yes it is very different men versus women and how the hormones impact things um and I kind of figured that might be why it was. And also, you're right, it is a very intimate thing when you start talking about your dreams. I mean, that's happening while you're sleeping, which doesn't seem intimate, but it's a time when you're really by yourself, even if there's somebody next to you. And so, you know, to let somebody else into that world, it is a very um, personal space, if you will. Um Yeah. And I taught AP psychology for years. And when we got to the chapters on sleep and dreams, it was always a favorite because I had the students keep dream journals and they'd illustrate them and we'd walk through them, you know, just with some basic interpretations because we were studying Freud really, you know, that's where the the whole dream analysis really started with uh, Sigmund Freud and everyone really loved it. But I did see there was always a pattern that the guys they I don't remember what I dreamed you know I don't I didn't dream anything there was nothing there more often than the girls did um and and it was also just very interesting to see how different those dreams were and the the symbols and elements in their dreams so that was pretty cool and you're right it's very different
1: (laughs) yes yes and I just wanted to sort of able to have a great greater effect just culturally on the whole community at large and women i really want to encourage them to tune in to find their higher purpose and to be empowered to step into that space because there's so much fear and doubt and judgment and societal norms and all these things that really impact us that keep us from really owning what we feel that little voice is that we might be here to do, or that what our heart says versus our head. And it's just a a challenge that almost all women encounter. And so I really just wanted to lend that support in that transition. I love that.
0: And a lot of times,
1: you know, we we think about
0: our dreams and we're like, oh, you're not gonna believe what I dreamed last night. And and we, you know, we we pass it off as maybe it was entertaining or, you know, it was just these intangible images in our minds. We don't really put any um credence to to them. When in reality, you know, dreams in general, scientifically speaking, they serve as kind of like a mental rehearsal. Um, just for the listeners, this the the little bit of science here by, behind dreams um is that it occurs during. Your REM cycle, and that's when the brain becomes like super active, and vivid dreams begin to occur. And some experts even, you know, they believe that the heightened brain activity it helps us to process our emotions, to consolidate our memories, and to solve problems that you know maybe you're stuck on something during the day, kind of thing. And you're like, man, I'm just gonna have to sleep on it. Literally, that's why we say that you sleep on it because your brain is gonna figure it out while you're sleeping. Um, Does it always work? No. Sometimes we get blocked or whatever, and and those paths aren't necessarily clear. When it comes to dream content, it's not entirely random. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there and see if you... we're on the same page on that one (laughs) yes
1: and people tend to think oh well there's really no point in me recording this or sharing this or thinking any more about it because it was just silly I I dreamt about that because I watched that movie or I was doing that yesterday or I was talking to so-and-so about that and well you did a lot of things yesterday and they're not they didn't all show up in your dream and so yes it is taking fragments from your experiences but there is a greater message behind those fragments it's putting them together in a very unique way
0: yeah like it, it draws from your experiences it draws from your emotions it draws from you know thoughts that you have throughout the day so like if you've been super stressed or anxious during the day your dreams may reflect that you know in in a metaphorical or symbolic way that kind of thing and so mm-hmm. um that's why dream interpretation as far as I understand it, um, involves examining the emotions and the events that you face in your waking life. And so all of that leads me to ask, how do you utilize dream interpretation to help someone come to self-awareness and or personal growth?
1: Yes. Yes. So I have this method that I've devised that is a result of all the different research and studying that I've done over the years of, as you mentioned, psychology, sociology, religion, astronomy, metaphysics, philosophy, theory. It's, it's a combination of all those things. Plus, of course, I've, I've studied all the different dream interpretation methods that already exist. And I pretty much put them all together into one that I felt resonated with me. And in doing that, I feel. like that really helps you uncover the true meaning that is your meaning so i like to encourage people to decode their own dream language versus going to a dream dictionary and looking up a snake means this or an owl means this because it's going to be different for every single person because their life experience is different and so to just go on a generic definition of something isn't going to help you figure out what your higher self or your subconscious is trying to tell you so we really need to unravel our own personal associations, and I do that through a series of questions and steps that really make you do some introspection and reflection and draw that out from your subconscious, because when you draw out those, those perspectives, emotions, judgments, things that you're holding in your subconscious, and you're able to bring them into the waking life and you're able to merge them with your conscious, because the conscious, as you know, is only 5%, The subconscious is 95% approximately. And so when you're able to merge those two, then you're able to actually step into more of a wholeness, a more of an integration, a more of a universal knowing of yourself. And you start to understand yourself, which gives gives you compassion for yourself and others but it also gives you a totally different perspective on your life and it also allows you to empower yourself to then take new directions in your life solve problems see things differently it really is transformational in its and it's the way it works which is why i say that I try to get women to uh, embrace the transformative power of their dreams because I really feel that it has that potential.
0: It absolutely does. and and I think you know, especially if you are taking notes uh, during the day and once you wake up, you know, and then you could put the two together and you will you'll start seeing, you know what? That goes right there. You know, I can, you can start seeing the relationship and clearly this is not like a one night sleep kind of process, right? Like you're not going to go to sleep one night, wake up the next morning and be like, I understand my whole life. And I know what my purpose is. Like, that's not how that works.
1: Not <laughs> your whole life, but you, would you can gain, gain great insight just from one dream. Because I do it all the time in session and even on my podcast. And people have just told me one dream or a fragment of one and gone, wow, you know, okay, whoa, that you've really changed my perspective. And so, yes, it does give you some great insight about what you're going through right now, or maybe something that you've been holding on to for a long time. It might not be everything about you or everything that you need to work on, but it can definitely make a huge impact in just one time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can gain insight for the immediate present. Yes,
0: absolutely. And, and it may be because sometimes you can go to sleep with a problem and wake up the next morning and yes, you can have a solution or a path to a solution. Absolutely. Um, I think transformation, like true total transformation probably takes a little more. This, this is me coming at it from a mental health um, counselor that, you know, it takes a little more for full-on transformation to happen than just the one insight, because, (laughs) you know, insight, insight alone tells you I've got a problem. And then you have to, to continue down the path of
1: transforming. (laughs) Correct. Yes. And, and that's over time, the more that you journal, the more patterns you start to see, the more that you start to see the improvement, the difference from the work that you're doing. And also I have, I offer both dream journeys and dream sessions and dream session journeys are a series of sessions And that's because I feel like it is beneficial to work on things over a period of time, particularly if you have a certain issue that you're working with or types of dreams that you're working with. And also, like you said, when you discover that, okay, you decode it, you figure out what it means and you go, oh yeah, okay. I have to deal with that. Well, then what do you do? And so I try to integrate other healing modalities that have been beneficial to me in my healing journey in case they resonate with someone else. So affirmations, other types of journal prompts, and other, you know, and meditation and other visualizations to really help you then integrate the knowledge that you've gained and really be able to take it to the next step on your journey.
0: Um, just coming at it from a mental health professional standpoint, um, all I, I love a holistic approach to everything. Is there ever a point where you say, I think, um, a mental health professional would be in your best interest?
1: Yes, there's definitely, there's definitely certain situations where you have to do that, especially if there's some severe trauma in the past or there's medication involved. I mean, there's so many instances where it's definitely better to go to a, a medical practitioner. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and you know, sometimes
0: they look at dreams as well, you know, because mm-hmm. especially if it's recurring, it's those recurring ones that that tend to get our attention and say, "This is something I probably need to address." Um, mm-hmm. And and it usually stems from whether it's trauma or just anxiety or or some other underlying issue. So um, even going to a mental health professional, they they sometimes utilize dreams. So um, have you ever worked alongside a mental health professional?
1: I have not. I tend to have my own, you know, uh, recipe as it is. And I think that as I go along, it's going to evolve, of course. And I think that there might be other aspects that I want to integrate that, that don't necessarily fall under the medical profession. And that makes makes sense. I just didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, because I think that there's a lot more, I I would like to take a a metaphysical um, angle on it as well, maybe a little bit of a paranormal, a little bit more spiritual, and that's really where I sit is kind of between those worlds, because it's not the traditional psychology, it's not the traditional medical um, psychotherapy, it's really in between, and it's more of, to give you the tools to do it yourself truly, because I don't want you to have to be reliant upon me. I want you to be empowered to do it yourself because that's how it's going to be spread and be more beneficial to more women.
0: Definitely. And that's the approach I take too. Like I want to empower you. I want to make you capable of dealing with your own, um, whatever it is, because that empowerment, man, there is, there is something to that. Um, I think people who rely on, Hey, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Well, what doesn't, that doesn't fix it for you. You know, you have to learn, you have to grow, you have to find, um, how to take care of yourself. And sometimes I think that's missing in parts of our society. Um, but that's a whole nother yes. ballgame and another conversation, yes. but you see what I'm saying? Like you have to do people. the work. Yes. You have to do the work. Absolutely. So symbolism in dreams, let's talk about symbolism. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a pretty central concept in psychology uh, dreams Use symbols to represent thoughts, feelings, experiences, all of that. And so, like flying, for instance, is like the feeling of freedom or escape. And and so the symbolism is seen as like a way for the mind to process and make sense of things. How do you approach? You know, you mentioned not using maybe a dream dictionary. How do you approach the interpretation of dream symbols? Is is there like a standardization, or is it
1: individualized? It's extremely individualized because that's a really good example, the one you just used that flying could be seen as freedom. And I've had those kind of dreams, but I've also growing up had many dreams where I was trying to fly and couldn't take off. And I'm doing the polywog fish swim or something. And I can't, I can't get, I can't get off the ground. And it's a whole frustrating feeling. Okay. So if somebody just was to say to you, oh, I had dreams about flying. And I said, oh, well, that means this. I could, I'm completely off base. right? I'm completely wrong because I don't know exactly what the action was in the dream. I don't know what the emotion was during and after the dream. So I really try to just clear the plate off and not put any of those preconceived notions or my preconceived notions on the dreamer. And I really try to just... Ask the right questions to, to get the right information to draw out what's really happening with them and their specific instance of that um, dream, and that goes that goes for anything whether it's teeth falling out or you know something else. If it's it, it it's not all the same, and so no two dreams are the same because no two life experiences are the same. And so I really want to just really customize that and personalize that and get from you what it means. So what is your favorite
0: story to share example to share from your 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 practice your experience um, of a breakthrough aha transformation moment?
1: Mm-hmm. So I have a a nightmare that I interpreted on my podcast it hasn't come out yet but I can give you a little sneak peek of it um, and I'd like to use this example because it's really, I feel it's, it's a really powerful example. So in part of the dream, um, she was in her house and there were all these people in her house and it was almost like there was an event going on, but there was something nefarious about it and she didn't know what was going on and everybody was going into the basement. And she saw this woman go down there that she thought she recognized. And she said, I'm going to go down there and see what's going on. And so she went down there, and you know, there was something going on that you'll have to tune in to find out. But then she saw the woman, and she said, "I feel so much better knowing that you're here. I'm glad that you're here." And you know, a lot of times people in our dreams can represent aspects of ourselves. And basements, just like closets uh, behind the curtain, anything that's a shadow space is a place that represents our subconscious, our darkness, the place where we hide things, store old things, uh, keep things, keep things from so people can't see them, all that types of stuff. And so the basement is really a metaphor for her subconscious, her, her shadow. And the woman is really a reflection of her higher self reassuring her saying "Uh, but I'm here and her saying oh I'm so glad that you're here with me down here now I'm not so scared now I don't I'm not so concerned and I really um, thought that was a beautiful metaphor for the shadow work that can be done in dreams when you recognize what sometimes it's it's showing you that you know you have this fear of un- unlocking that of walking through that door of integrating that darkness with the light but your subconscious and your higher self actually says no we can do this come on i'm here with you i'm in the darkness right that's nice. I like that.
0: Um, it's funny, you know, we, we, we joke about, oh, my subconscious, you know, I subconsciously did that or, you know, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but I really did mean to do that. You know, it, it's kind of taken very lightly. We, we don't, because we don't understand it. I think a lot of times people are, are afraid to understand that there's a part of you that is functioning without your knowledge. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it is. And, and so if we give a little more acknowledgement to that part of us, um, it's pretty amazing how much more confidence we find, how much more the ability to tackle problems head on. Uh, and so I, I really like the idea that you can find those symbols in dreams and, and help people to move through those shadow areas and bring that into the light. Because once you've shed light on it, that's when it has the power. Um, Or in some cases, the power is taken away, right? Like when you bring the evil into the light, it's like, oh, it's no longer evil because the light has been shown on it. It no longer has the power of evil over us. Um, And so, uh, yeah, yeah. What else you want to tell us about dream interpretation before we shift gears? Because I have another topic we wanted, I wanted to talk about.
1: Well, briefly, I can talk about my method, the four steps, if you'd like. Um, So it's, it's called the dream mirror method, and there's four steps. So the steps are memory, mood, mirror, and metaphor. So in the first step of memory, that's where you record your dream and you give your dream a title and there's. A lot of techniques you can use for dream recall, but it's always good to start keeping a dream journal, of course, and that can be writing it down or recording it on your phone or whatever works for you. The second step is mood, and that's where we make sure that we record the mood. So before, during, and after. So before you go to bed, write down maybe events of the day, how you were feeling when you went to sleep, then what the what happened in the dream, how you felt when that was transpiring, and then when you woke up, the emotions that you were experienced. The third stage is mirror, and that's where I start to look at all the different things that comprise the dream and decode them so that's the people the places the situations the actions there can be numbers or colors or other things that are present and the reason I call it the mirror is because I don't want to tell you what it means I I don't want to impose on you what it might mean to me or what it means in some uh, random book so i want to hold up a mirror to you and say well what does this remind you of what does this mean to you what is your association with this symbol and this place and this these people and what do you think of you know what's transpiring and then the last step is metaphor. And that's where we look at the entire story that's been told like a parable. What is it a metaphor for? How does it relate to something you're experiencing in your, in your waking life? What can we learn from this? And how can we use this to further personal growth and self-discovery? That is very simple. I like it
0: because you could get it really complicated if you wanted to, but I like how simple that is. It's 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 a it's a lot of reflection, a lot of introspection, and then interpretation. Like it's that simple. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So I just had a question pop into my head. Um, I know a lot of times things like um, sleep apnea, which is a growing problem, and other sleep disorders can impact dreams. And so do you encourage people um, or should people consider maybe seeing their medical doctor before doing dream interpretation if they know that they have a sleep disorder to so that you have kind of a baseline to understand that? Does that make sense? Well,
1: I guess it's, it's really how much they're able to capture. Because you can, be sort of an insomniac and still have, have, have moments where you're falling asleep and dreaming. So I, if, as long as it, for my purposes, you know, because I'm not giving them medical treatment, as long as I'm able to derive some, some content from them, then I'm willing to help them work through it.
0: Okay. I didn't know, you know, like, um, my dad, like he has, Sleep apnea. And so, like, there's a lack of oxygen. Sometimes it gets to the brain. And so it kind of skews things, you know, because your Mm. dreams can be impacted by, you know, sometimes they're a little weird. And it's not necessarily a reflection of it's literally his brain saying, Hey, I can't breathe, you know? And so I didn't know if that would impact your interpretation and that kind of thing.
1: It's true. I mean, your body, so much, anything that's happening in your body, down to the temperature in the room, if you have indigestion, if you have pain. I mean all those factors are going to be involved right and so that's part of the reason that in addition to the memory record it's good to give some context so well you know i had a dream that you know my foot got caught under a car but that's because it's in a cast i mean you know there are there is good information to have obviously that is going to influence your your because your body bodily experience is reflected So it's good to have that context. And that's also why a really detailed dream record is helpful.
0: Excellent. I just wanted to make sure that listeners were aware that, you know, you need to go into this understanding that just because you have one wild, crazy dream, it could be because your foot's in a cast or it's asleep or something has impacted the dream. So (laughs) yeah, that's good. So be open and honest with your dream interpreter when you go to see her. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She needs all the context. Okay. Can we shift gears? I want to talk about your first novel.
1: Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, that's
0: exciting. You want to tell us about it?
1: Yes. So it's a, a fantasy. Um, it's an inspirational tale. So Halloween is the backdrop. And it's a journey intertwining multi-dimensions, dreams, and magic. So guided by spirit cats, a disenchanted woman becomes entangled in a realm of enigmas and gradually deciphering the puzzle behind the vanishing of her eccentric aunt she unveils a captivating journey of self-discovery
0: I like a good fantasy with a little bit of mystery in there um that sounds fun um what made you want to write a book
1: I got the idea in a dream of course
0: surprise
1: you knew that was coming
0: (laughs) well it's funny because that's where my first book came from a dream us creatives (laughs) and and that's why you also kind of have to listen to your dreams sometimes because well and what really was I had a dream and I wanted to know how it ended like I woke up too soon and I wanted to know how it ended and so that's kind of where it happened um, and there was a lot of self-discovery along the way because I have found that writing is very much like therapy like I'm I write and I'm like oh that feels good you know afterward everything's yes. out
1: <laughs> yes it, it is it's yeah so much yes okay so how probably, much progress have you made on it well I I to be honest started it about nine years ago and I wrote about 10,000 words and then I stopped And so it sat there for probably seven, eight years, more than that. And when all of this started, well, slightly before all of this started, I was determined to finish it. So I got moving and started writing and writing and writing and writing, and then I got really sick. And so it was when I kind of was diagnosed with all those chronic illnesses that I really um, had to say, okay, I I thought I was doing this, but now I'm being called to do something else and I can still do this, but it's, it's not the main focus now because I have service to do. (laughs) So, you know, I still plan on getting it out Um, because it's Halloween is the backdrop. I am pushing it till next Halloween because I originally was going to be this and all of this happened in between. It's like, okay, well, that's all right. So
0: Get it. That's when it'll be
1: released. And uh yeah, I'm I'm really excited about just putting putting that just it's a beautiful metaphor for the work I'm doing as well. So you know it's a it's a woman's journey and she's discovering things about herself, but it also has all of the elements of Halloween and magic and dreams that I love. That's fun. Is there is there any part of the writing process that you have found easier or harder than the others? I actually like the prose more than the dialogue. And some people, I, I tried to follow this, this one method of this other writer for a while, and she was very much all dialogue. And that was how she wrote her whole thing was just all the dialogue, and then went back in and wrote the the fluffy stuff. And I thought, I, I I can't do this. Like I I don't even I don't even want really the dialogue. I just want all the fluffy stuff. So yeah, that was really the the part that I noticed was difficult was um, trying to figure out the dialogue, and also just um, making sure that the reader stays interested so that the continual hooks along the way of what happens next and and now I'm sort of in the the final decline part and so it's like the climax has already happened so you almost just want to end it there but there has yeah. to be that part between the climax and the end that still is important so that's that part yeah I'm trying to work with that right now
0: why is that the hardest part? Because that was literally in my second book. Like I just, I walked away for like two months. I looked at it and I thought, how do I get, cause I knew how it was going to end. And I was like, how do I get from this middle to the end? Like that right after mm, mm-hmm. I didn't walked away and then it came together, but I had to walk away from it first.
1: <laughs> yes. And I, I thought, I think I got waylaid because I was trying to do this outline Mm. structure and then then I went backwards and wrote an outline for every chapter and by the time I thought, oh, I can do this, it says you can do it in a couple weeks and it took me, I ended up taking me months and when I got back to where I was, then it's like I haven't done any writing. (laughs) So I, I just wasted all that time like writing the outline for what? and so yeah I, then I was just like forget about the outline just start writing just keep you know keep writing um and it's a beautiful process when you actually allow it to just flow you sit down thinking I don't know what I'm gonna write about today and then out of nowhere like the next part comes and that's really magic right it's fabulous so it's just letting that continue to happen and also I feel like it helps a little bit if I think about okay well what if this isn't the last book what if this is there's a sequel what if there's a second part and so that kind of helps with the climax to the end
0: Mm. yeah I like that look forward keep looking ahead and say you know if there was another book I could incorporate this and it would fit there but it would also fit here by itself like I
1: like that Mm-hmm. Like, leave something else where it's kind of like, but now what? Because now this what? and that happened. Yeah. We got to deal with uh, that. So we're going to have to keep going.
0: A new character pops up. Where did you come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find that meditating uh, helps you get back into the writing flow?
1: Yes, and also affirmations for sure, because in, in the beginning of all of this, I really obviously was had a, a long, long writer's block, long, 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 long. <laughs> And so, and it was mostly because of all of the things that, you know, I, I ended up uh, listening a lot to this one audiobook. and it really helped me, really influenced me. It talked about imposter syndrome and all of the ways that we convince ourselves that we're not writers or we're not authors. And, you know, the only difference between a writer and someone who's not a writer is that a writer writes, you know, you just got to write. Yeah. And yes, there are like, grammatical things and techniques and all this other stuff but at the end of the day are you writing or not you know and it's easy to criticize something when it exists but if it didn't exist well yeah nobody can criticize you then uh but are are you gonna just not do it because of that so you know all those all those challenges There's so much so many giant boulders we put in front of ourselves as writers that cause sneak in and cause that writer's block and so the consistency was really important and just dedicating to a small consistency not trying to overwhelm yourself because I overwhelm myself with other stuff quite easily. so I'm real good at that uh, loading up my plate with other things almost in an effort probably to avoid or avoid doing it right but so in the morning I uh, I meditate and I write and I try and do it each one, you know, for at least, you know, maybe a half hour meditate journal, write. Okay. Now I'm going to start my day. And then I feel more centered and more like not frazzled. Like I didn't get anything done, you know, and I feel more like at peace with where I'm the place I'm going to start from. I like that. There, And there is something to be said for a routine. Like even
0: if it is just, you know, literally going through the exact same motions every morning, even if you're not sitting down to meditate for 30 minutes, like do something the exact same way every single morning and your brain starts to train itself. If I do this, then this will happen. So if I spend 30 minutes meditating, then the words will flow, you know, like your brain literally trains itself to expect, oh, I'm going to write next. That's what's coming next. I need to start mm-hmm. preparing for words to show up. <laughs>
1: Right. And the morning is just pretty much the only time of the day that I'm not on a a really fast hamster wheel. So if Mm. I don't do it first thing in in that quiet time, it's not going to happen. And then I'm just going to be upset that I didn't do it all day.
0: (laughs) Yes. And then that sets the tone for the rest of the day. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about? Dreams, writing, books, what else?
1: well I guess uh i'd love I'd love to you know talk about maybe the differences between uh, publish self publishing and 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 yeah, that. let's do it um, yeah. I, because i I don't really I know much about that world, so I'm curious <laughs> curious I mean obviously, you know I think the biggest the biggest uh, downfall is con- creative control, right so when you're talking about creatives and really wanting to own your craft it's difficult to have somebody say well I think that the plot should totally go in this direction or your character should be totally different or I'm going to call it this which is not at all what you would call it. So I I started out same boat
0: like I had no idea like what what's best what what direction should I go in and so I immediately just said okay my book is done it's been to an editor so traditional publishing is all I knew I didn't understand the ins and outs of self-publishing and there are still plenty of nuances that I'm still learning as you go and I think because it changes so frequently the the process with traditional publishing was literally you would log on to this is the way that it was given to me. You log onto this website that gives you the list of all these agents and um, who, who would have connections to publishing houses and you send them a query letter. Well, here's the thing. No two agents wanted the same exact query letter. And so you would have to send three chapters here, one chapter here, 500 words there. And it was just the constant, nothing was streamlined, which does not do well for my heart because I am a very streamlined person when it comes to that kind of thing and um, I'm like we need to we all need to be doing the same thing and that's not what was happening And so like after almost a hundred queries and I had one agent on the line who was like send us this send us this we need to know more details we need a longer summary and I'm like I just eventually said, here's the whole manuscript read it if you like it great if you don't that's fine mm-hmm. um and they were like um, we're going to pass. And I mean, that was like a three month process, like going Uh, back and forth. And I was like, are you kidding me? So anyway, um, I finally just said, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this by myself. And I did. And I just, I literally uploaded it to Amazon and I had it printed through Ingram spark, put it on my website and and started selling books that way. Now what they don't tell you is the marketing part of it where you have to convince people to buy it. (laughs) that's the really fun part (laughs) and so I decided that self-publishing was the way to go and after book one I figured out how to make book two even better and to work with it that way so you know there are so many options too for self-publishing um several of the guests from my previous podcasts they have um been uh small press owners they own small presses where uh self-published authors can go to them and say, would you read my book and consider publishing it through your small literary press with that comes, um, your opinion still matters as the author, which is huge because that's why I go into self-publishing is because I want that creative control. So they work with the author. So there, there's the self-publishing, there's like a hybrid publishing, and then there's traditional publishing. So you have yeah. all the options out there for you.
1: <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I like that. I didn't know that. I thought that maybe after you publish it yourself that you then wouldn't have that option.
0: But no, uh, you know, it's Right. Well, it's really funny because a lot of self-published authors these days, um, they a lot of traditional publishing houses, if they see that a self-published book is getting a lot of attention and it's and it's gaining a pretty big audience, um, there's always the chance that a publishing house or an agent will approach a self-published author and say, hey, we'd like to give you a traditional contract. It's not 100% of the time that that's gonna happen and it's not a super high likelihood. There's one who she's got a really big fantasy series. She started out on like Wattpad writing um, her independently published stuff and then she ended up with a massive traditional I'm pretty sure it was her but she I mean it's she is now she has a traditional publishing contract because she started independent so
1: nice it could happen hey lots of possibilities (laughs) always
0: always possibilities you just see that's the thing it goes back to what you said if you don't put it on the page nobody will even know that you've written anything or that you have something to say and so it can't get published one way or the other
1: right and and I'm a firm believer too of just following your intuition and being in alignment And, and when you are you're attracting the right people to you that are interested in what you have to say because actually they've been looking for you and I find this happens you know that's part of something that's so comforting once you realize that it's you sit in your self-doubt and you say but I don't know if anybody really cares about what I'm going to do or what I have to say or what I'm going to write and the reason that it keeps coming back to you and that you feel compelled to finish it is because someone else does need to hear that message and there is someone else who is looking for that story and just just today I had reached out to someone else online about um an event that I have coming up and they said, Hey, I have been thinking about working with my dreams for quite some time now. And I didn't have anybody that I was comfortable with. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me because now I really want to work with you. And it's like, that's, you know, I just kind of follow those breadcrumb trails. And when I do in faith, right, without like the judgment or the doubt, then it does, it does come back to you. And you realize how beautiful all those synchronicities are leading you down this, this rose filled path. So hopefully my publishing, publishing will be just like that. Oh, well, and you know,
0: you're going to get out of it what you put into it, you know, I Mm -hmm. will the self the self publishing route is, it's fun for me, because it's a learning experience. Like if I would have stayed in school my entire life and like learned forever if I could have, but I can't afford mm-hmm. to do that. Therefore, I just, I learn everything and what I can about anything. And, um and I enjoy the process of it. Now, for some people, the learning curve of how to market your book and how to sell to people and how to do the social media stuff, like that's not everybody's cup of tea. So find somebody else to help you do that. You know, the, the key is, You find the people that you can work well with and you make them part of your tribe and it becomes a team effort and not a solo journey, which I think a lot of times happens to self-published authors or attempted self-published authors because they'll get out there, they'll start and they'll get overwhelmed and then they pull back and they're like, I can't do this. So.
1: Absolutely. I could see that. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Just find your, find your people.
1: Right. I mean, this is, it's that way with anything, right? Anything that you put your heart into, you you just have to put your whole in, all in.
0: All in (laughs) and find the people that will go all in with you and walk alongside you because, oh my goodness, uh, you don't want to do it alone. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) Okay. We have, we've, we've thrown a lot of information out there. What is the one thing? If somebody were to listen to one thing before they disconnected their podcast app, what would you want them to hear? Advice, encouragement. What is that one thing? Listen
1: to your dreams. Mm. Yep, they hold—they're holding messages for you. It's like an unopened letter. If you don't,
0: ooh, that's—I like that. That's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell listeners how they can connect with you and your work.
1: Yeah, so you can find me at womenstreamanalysis.com. And there you'll find I offer online dream sessions as well as dream journeys. I have uh, live events and I also now have an online course where you can do a self-paced course and it's a, it's a mini course. It doesn't take too much commitment, but it will walk you through the steps of the dream mirror method and give you some exercises and just give you the tools to try to incorporate that into your daily practice. I
0: like that. All of that's going to be in the show notes. So all you have to do is head over to the show notes. The link will be there. You can click directly to it. Um, I can't wait to see when your book comes out, not this Halloween, but next. Yes. (laughs) And I also
1: have a podcast, Women's Dream Enlightenment podcast, which is at dreamenlightenment.com. And on there, I just bring women on and we share our stories about you know, what we've gone through, what we've discovered as a result of that and support each other and, and share our offerings and our gifts. Nice. Can people apply to be on your show? Yes. Yes. Awesome. And I also so do dream interpretations. On. If
0: you want to dream analyze, just yes. go to her website for her podcast and you can apply there. Yes. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Well, Thank you, Megan, so much for being here today and having the, I mean, we ran the gamut with our conversations and I'm leaving here going, that was
1: exciting. I enjoyed that very much. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.